Welcome to Inside Athletic Training, a podcast from the Professional Baseball Athletic Trainer Society and the ultimate destination for athletic training professionals, students, and educators looking to learn more about sports medicine and athletic training. In each episode, we'll dive headfirst into conversations with experts in the field, bringing you insights, stories, and cutting-edge information about athletic training and sports medicine. This week on Inside Athletic Training, we welcome in Taylor Bennett, the assistant athletic trainer with the Seattle Mariners. Enjoy the show. All right, Taylor, welcome to Inside Athletic Training. Super excited to have you on for episode number 35. Uh, We're definitely going to talk a lot about your career in athletic training. Uh, Currently, you're an assistant athletic trainer with the Seattle Mariners organization. Uh, Big role with the club. And we'll get into all that information soon. But first, uh, if you don't mind, let's share with the listeners a bit about your background. Uh, Take it back to the beginning. Let us know where you're from, uh, what sports you were into growing up, and also how you found uh, your passion and got into athletic training. Well, Sam, first, uh, thanks for having me on. I'm just super excited to be able to to share something that I'm super passionate about and uh, pretty honored that you reached out and asked me to to have a voice. So that's super awesome. Really happy to be here. so from the jump, let's go with uh, where I'm from. I grew up in a small town called Page, Arizona. Uh, it's about as far north in Arizona as you can get, uh, about two hours north of Flagstaff there. So grew up there, um, kind of grew up playing sports, doing the normal kid thing in a small town, hanging out with all my buddies, and what we did was sports for the most part. Uh, main interests were baseball and football. I did a little bit of wrestling, uh, more as a thing to get into, sh- into shape for football, but uh, I found out pretty early on in my life, uh, before I got into high school, that I had leg calf perthes, uh disease in my hips. So that kind of gave me some issues on the sporting side of things. So my doctors uh, told me, you know, hey, you, you can play sports to your own tolerance. This isn't going to be a comfortable thing uh, with your hip being the way that it is, but we wouldn't recommend that you play three sports. So that's actually how I kind of got into athletic training. One, mm-hmm. I got a bum hip. Uh, so I spent a lot of time with our athletic trainer who really introduced me to everything that I came to grow up and, and learn about. Uh, his name is Matt Weber, NATA Hall of Famer. Um, so I think God really wanted me to uh, be an athletic trainer because as we go down the road of the people that I've had in my life that have pointed me in the direction of athletic training, it's a pretty uh, pretty big list of people um, that I'm super fortunate to, to have uh, come across paths with and uh, so from being kind of injured or just banged up routinely, spending a lot of time with our athletic trainer, and uh, my winner role was to do student athletic training. Uh, after football season was over my freshman year, he said, hey, uh, would you be interested in being a student athletic trainer? And I was in an anatomy class with our assistant athletic trainer at the high school at the time. Uh, his name's Wayne Duncan. And I happened to just have like this kind of natural understanding of anatomy and the way that he presented it to me was uh, a way that was really digestible. So I really liked anatomy. I got an opportunity to be a student athletic trainer and those things kind of really just set off a lot of fireworks in my head. And, uh, then from that point on in high school, I, uh, I just, every winter I would be a student athletic trainer and I got to learn from, from an NATA hall of famer. 
Yeah, it's interesting to to hear a lot of you you and your colleagues' stories about uh, their own injuries leading them into the athletic training world. So super interesting to hear your story there as well. Um, well, Taylor, you're one of the youngest athletic trainers in Major League Baseball today, um, but you already have a wealth of experience inside the game of baseball. Um, like you kind of mentioned, uh, you got your start um, in high school, uh, learning from from a, a great mentor. Uh, you started in baseball as a student intern with the D-backs. Um, you spent some time at the collegiate level, uh, joined the Mariners organization in 2017 as a minor league athletic trainer. Throughout your journey, are there certain experiences that are most meaningful to you as you reflect on on your career and how you got started? Um, there's a lot of experiences. Uh, I it- I'm going to have to draw pretty deep on, on all of them, but, uh, one, just getting the start of, of, and the tutelage from somebody who I really look up to and somebody who's very, uh, well renowned in, in our profession and Matt Weber. And then I would say the biggest, the biggest experience that I had that really led me on this path was my internship with the Diamondbacks. Um, that was in 2010. I was a sophomore in my undergrad program. Uh, I had taken one semester of athletic training courses, so I pretty much I didn't know a whole lot aside from some anatomy uh, more than anything. And we didn't have baseball at NAU, so I wanted to kind of give baseball a shot. That was my favorite sport growing up. And I, I reached out uh, through our clinical director, and uh, PJ Mainville at the time was the, was the medical coordinator for the Diamondbacks. And uh, I don't know why he accepted me. I didn't have a whole lot to offer, but he did. Uh, I was able to meet PJ. I was able to meet Ken Crenshaw, Ryan DePamflo, and uh, Jimmy Southerd with the Dodgers as well. And then um, towards the end of it, I got to meet Kyle Torgerson, who is now our current head athletic trainer. So, uh, one, the, the networking and the people that I was exposed to, and two, with that experience, uh, I, I was exposed to a very high level of thinking that uh, I didn't really – know a whole lot of what they were talking about initially from a knowledge standpoint and a foundational uh, standpoint in terms of the techniques and how they were looking at the body. But it gave me a pretty good blueprint of, okay, this is what I need to learn because if I don't understand it now and I want to be in their position, uh, I need to understand it along the line, along the way. So Mm -hmm. uh, that was the biggest one that just opened my eyes to the possibilities of of what I could be doing in this profession. And from that point, I never really turned back from baseball. I always wanted to do baseball at that point. Mm -hmm. And to piggyback off that answer, uh, you mentioned a couple people who have seemingly had a huge impact on a a ton of athletic trainers career. And and those are Ken Crenshaw and PJ Mainville. Uh, Ken has seemingly become the godfather of athletic training, especially guys like you who, who worked with the D backs. Talk a little bit about what it's like learning from Ken at such a young age. You know, was it intimidating? Was it, uh, you know, was he open to teaching the young guys? What was that experience like when you first started with Ken? I think it's pretty well established at this point. They have an absolute pipeline uh, over in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm fortunate to have gotten to know Ken. I didn't work a ton with Ken just because I was over on the minor league side, but I got to work uh, with PJ and Ryan DePamflo a lot. Uh, I have mm-hmm. worked a little bit with Ken since, uh, just getting to kind of pick his brain and pick the brains of the people who, whose knowledge he transferred to, essentially. Um, I think education uh, to Ken is, is critical and, and pouring into the people and building up this profession. Uh, he doesn't want to see he, – he's not here just to get what he wants. He's here to move the profession forward. Uh, I think that's the, the most paramount point of – uh, my experiences with Ken. It's, uh, he has a true passion for athletic training. 
And mm-hmm. one, he wants to pass his knowledge on it too. He wants to uh, set people up for success and see this profession grow, not just continue to uh, stay where it is. So I think education is, is the most paramount of all the points um, coming out of Arizona. And from the, from the guys that I learned from, I can't be thankful enough for specifically Ryan DePamphalo because I was able to intern and in, in PJ Mainville. Uh, I got one year of an internship uh, during spring training and two spring training internships under Ryan and uh, their patience with me for not knowing a whole lot, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, excitement to share their knowledge. And there's some challenges going on there. Like I, I, I remember a lot of instances, you know, hanging out around the treatment tables, hanging out in the training room, watching PJ, watching Ryan uh, and watching like Jimmy Southern as well, uh, go through treatments, go through assessments and all these things. And uh, they weren't afraid to to put me on the spot, not to necessarily embarrass me, but to challenge my critical thinking. And uh, that got me kind of a jump start in the process of not just being passive in my own education, but really trying to take hold of it for myself so that mm-hmm. way when I was able to go have these conversations or watch them, I could ask really pointed questions and ask things that would help further develop my knowledge base rather than just the standard, oh, what are you doing there? Or what is mm-hmm. what did your assessment say? So I think sure. their patience and passion for for other people's growth is the biggest thing that I took away. Yeah, and it's super interesting to to think about kind of the uh the family trees you might call it for athletic trainers. Mm-hmm. And I've been along I've been around you guys a lot, you know, the past decade and Seemingly anyone who starts in Arizona under Ken, uh, whether that's PJ Mainville with the Cubs, Ryan DePamphalo, the head athletic trainer for the D-backs now, uh, Kyle Torgerson, who is the head athletic trainer with you in Seattle, anyone that starts mm-hmm. there uh, just ends up in a great role and, and really develops. So it's really cool to hear you had that experience as well. Um, uh, speaking of another experience, I want to touch base uh, a little bit about your time at the college level. Um, what do you think from your experiences at New Mexico State and other schools uh, are the biggest differences? differences uh, in the mindset of an athletic trainer at the college level versus someone who's kind of uh, at the professional level like you are now? I think so. I was a grad assistant at New Mexico State, and that was my first real taste of actually making decisions on my own. And I I realized pretty early on in like the fall ball process of my first year, like, hey, I got to be the guy, you know, I got to make decisions. Uh, so that was huge to, to be able to actually trust your own decision making when it comes to the well-being of you know, 35, 40 other individuals, uh, you got to trust yourself and know that what you've learned, uh, is, is enough or know what you don't know and start to try to figure that stuff out too. Um, but from a collegiate side, I think there's, uh, a lot of more than anything, trying to get the players to buy into something uh, right from the jump. Um, a lot of guys are coming out of high school or from JC programs. And in our specific instance, we had a lot of junior college guys um, and trying to establish routines and build relationships with those guys. I don't think that changes from college to pro ball because we're always trying to develop routines and build relationships and, and maintain consistency. But the biggest difference I would say from college to specifically like the minor league level is in college, you know, it's all about winning. Uh, we got to win and trying to do what you can to keep guys on the field uh, day in and day out. Granted, you're not playing as many games, so you get a little bit more wiggle room in terms of mm-hmm. being able to get them off their feet and and try to decrease workload in order in order to keep them healthy. Whereas, in, you know, in pro ball and in the minor leagues, you're playing every day just about or six days a week. And uh, 
the minor league side, you, you can take a little bit more time and focus more on the development side. So the pressures of competition are there, but they're not as, as heavy because it's not as much about winning. Obviously in this organization, we, we want everybody to win and we're having a great year across our entire org from the winning standpoint, but I think that's more of a byproduct of doing things the right way. So I would say the biggest difference being uh, the, the weight of competition uh, from collegiate level to the minor leagues. But then once you get back up to the big leagues, uh, having that experience to draw from at the collegiate setting uh, when it's, hey, man, we're here to win. We're here to win a championship, and we got to do what we can to keep you on the field. Um, obviously not at risk of your own health, but if we can play with the bumps and bruises, then that's what we got to do. Sure. And uh, additionally, when it comes to, you know, the minor leagues that you mentioned, uh, a lot of the key development for athletic trainers and players uh, alike uh, comes in the minor leagues um, without that pressure to to win every day. Like you mentioned, obviously, competition leads to, to great performance uh, for many people. But, you know, development is is priority there. Um, talk about the importance of the minor leagues for an athletic trainer in their development. Um you know, without having that pressure to win and also the ability to kind of make mistakes and learn and grow, what does that mean and how impactful is that to, to an athletic trainer's career? Um, I, I can speak very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, passionately about my time in the minor <laughs> leagues or fondly, I'll say that. I'm sure. going to say I can speak with, with fondness of my time in the minor leagues because I, I loved every second of it. Um, I was fortunate to be surrounded by a great staff of coaches and, and other support staff. And, uh, we just had an absolute blast. So when you have, when you're in the right situation, regardless of if you're in a, in a town that doesn't have a whole lot to do, or you have all the amenities or your ballpark's nice, or your training room's nice, or it's not, uh, I call it the character building years. You, you learn a lot in those, in that span of time. Um, and you learn a lot about how to communicate specifically because you're the person at that affiliate. You're the person that everybody's looking to from the medical side from the or the high-performance side in, in our specific organization. And uh, they're looking for answers. They're looking for assistance. And they're looking for uh, conviction out of you. You know, you got to trust yourself and trust your judgment, but mm-hmm. also be able to communicate effectively. And I think what I was able to learn uh, really well was, one, time, man- time management, because in the minor leagues, we, we had a lot more duties. I had a lot more duties to perform on a day-to-day basis than I do at the big league level just because we have a larger staff. Um, so learning to prioritize time management and to uh, still, with everything else going on, prioritize the player. I, I've always preached and still believe that you know the player is the most important thing at the end of the day because if we don't have players, we don't have sports and you know <laughs> there's no athletic training if there's no athletics, right? Uh, sure. there's, there's the different realms of athletic training, but at its, at its, uh, most foundational form, if we don't have players, we don't have a job. So it's always important to, uh, to focus on the player, but I think you learn to, to balance and juggle all the different roles, which prepares you, whether it be a coordinator role or, a you know, a head roll down the line, uh, at the big league level, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of juggling that goes on, but you can't let the juggling compromise the reason that you're there in the first place, which is to take care of the players. So that's one mm-hmm. of the biggest things I learned and that, and, and just working with the staff, uh, as the, as the primary medical provider, um, it, it, it teaches you a lot. You learn and sometimes you fail and, uh, having good support above you in the role of, a you know, a medical director or medical coordinator is critical as well that, somebody in that position trusts your judgment and allows you to make, make those decisions. And sometimes it allows you to fail. 
but helps you kind of work through the failure to to make it a learning process. And ultimately, everyone's goal is is to get to the big leagues as an athletic trainer, whether or not you know you enjoy the time in the minor leagues or you're struggling through it. The the ultimate goal is to get to the big leagues. So. Within that time you spent in the minor leagues, for example, uh, let's say with the Everett Aqua Sox, how do you make sure that your work is being seen by the folks uh, at the big league level uh, to ensure you get that chance? Um, Or is it something that's less important to you and you kind of just put your head down and grind it out versus kind of trying to be seen? How do you balance that when you're in the minor leagues? Sure. Um, I kind of lean towards the latter. Uh, I've never been really big on self-promotion. I think if you do good work, uh, good work gets gets noticed uh, rather than trying to make sure somebody sees what you're doing. Uh, my focus, you know, goal from day one was always, you know, get to the big leagues. I want to work with, with big league players and I want to work in that, that atmosphere and that environment. And there's nothing like it. It's, it's truly special, but uh, I, I always wanted to focus and, and continue to focus on doing what's right first for the player. Um, because if the player succeeds, everybody succeeds, the organization succeeds like that got to, you know, put things first things first and see how that, uh, benefits the organization as well. So my, my goal was always do everything that I possibly could to, uh, to help our players, to help them stay healthy, to build routines that, uh, that help them stay healthy and keep them from being injured in the first place. And secondarily, when they are injured, trying to, uh, help them get back to play as, as safely and as quickly as possible. Um, but also I think we've been afforded a, a really cool role in this organization and that, uh, we're not just looked at as the medical people, but we, we do have a lot of, um, integration of high performance into, uh, the skill acquisition and coaching side of things. And, and we're able to kind of share our expertise and lend our, our voice in some of those areas. So not only are we focusing on health, but if there's a way that we can utilize our skills to help develop the player from a physical standpoint, uh, and uh, and aid the coaches in what they're trying to get the players to develop and the skills they're trying to develop. Um, that was my biggest focus: keep them healthy, help mm-hmm. them become better baseball players. And I figured, you know, if if I'm doing a good job there, and we keep getting guys matriculating up through the system, and they're healthy as they go, and they have good routines when they go to the next affiliate, uh, everything will kind of take care of itself. Mm-hmm. And th- that makes total sense. It's just if you can keep players healthy, keep them on the field, build good relationships, then obviously that works and get going to get noticed from up top at the big league level. So uh, definitely a, an interesting take, but but uh, totally accurate there. Um, a little bit more about the early days uh, at your college level and in the minor leagues when you were just learning the world of athletic training and and kind of figuring out how pro baseball works and even how college baseball works as an athletic trainer, who were some of the role models that you looked up to in the field of, of sports medicine? Um, I think I've, I think I've hit on a couple of them to this point. Uh, Matt Weber is the one that got me started and gave me any sort of understanding of what the profession was. Uh, talk about a true professional sitting on multiple boards over the course of multiple decades, mm-hmm. um, just showing me the passion that he had from, the uh, the development of the profession and bringing the profession forward. So I was I was kind of led in that direction by him and and given a true understanding and and, and knowledge of the importance of not just being in it for yourself but trying to push it forward. Uh, so I got a lot of that from Matt and from Ken and from Dippy. Uh, from a from a knowledge base standpoint, uh, all the guys with the D backs uh, with PJ Ryan and Ken. Uh, KT's helped me out a lot. I had no idea what I could understand and what I could learn about the body, uh, specifically in relation to sports, 
until I ran into those guys over there. Uh, Andrew Hauser is another one. He was the medical mm. coordinator uh, with the D-backs uh, for my last uh, little mini internship during spring training. And seeing how those guys view the body uh, and how they see it as an integrated system really, really opened my eyes to uh, the way that I wanted to start to learn and how that directed my learning going through my, my formal education and my athletic training program. Uh, because there's only so much you can cram into, you know, three years in an undergrad program or, you know, two mm-hmm. years in a, in a master's level program. And then you have to go learn a lot of, on your own. Uh, and so by surrounding, being surrounded by really, really smart people, uh, I, I feel like really pushed my, my knowledge and understanding uh, to the point that it is now. Because had I not, you know, I, I think I would still be probably pretty good at my job, but I don't know if I would uh, have the knowledge or understanding that I have right now. And now that you've been in the big leagues for multiple years, you know, you really worked your way up, like you said, learned everything you could from some great mentors. Um, you know, I, I know it's probably difficult to to think of yourself as a role model in certain instances, but you definitely are for the younger athletic trainer. So if you could give advice to to someone that wants to be in your position one day, wants to be in the big leagues as an athletic trainer, um, whether that's a skill or a personality trait, what kind of advice would you give uh, to the younger athletic trainer? I think more than anything that uh, I've taken away, the people that I've, I've worked with and the opportunities that I've had in, in this game, it's that uh, you're working with people. And at the end of the day, treat people well and build relationships with people because as a medical provider, so much of what you do is built on trust. And if you don't have trust from the people that you're providing care to, it's really hard to to help them out um, because you might have the best skill set and the, the best knowledge base in the world. Uh, but if you, if you're not connecting with, with the people that you're treating and working with day in and day out, it's going to be hard for you to utilize that skill set. So I think the biggest skill set is opening the door for you to use, you know, your actual skill set. So building relationships, building trust, and, and really truly getting to know people and, and gaining their trust, I think is the biggest piece that I would pass along. Um, and then from a, from a more athletic training based, uh, skill set, I would say the understanding of, of anatomy and biomechanics specific to the sport that you're working is critical because you can really start to piece together and reverse engineer the for, you know, the stresses and forces that are going through their body, um, and, and pair that with your understanding of how their body works. And that kind of paints a, a much clearer picture of why they may be dealing with something in, in, you know, X, Y, or Z location and, and how maybe their, their movement profile or their, their biomechanics or their specific anatomy kind of predisposes them to any number of, of issues. Um, so I would say the, the anatomy and the biomechanics related to sport is pretty critical. And speaking of those relationships that you just mentioned, uh, you work with Kyle Torgerson every day. He's the head athletic trainer for the Seattle Mariners. Um, also one of the youngest head athletic trainers in sports today. Uh, what's it like working with Kyle and, and being so close with someone who you've kind of come through the journey together with? I, uh, when I when I applied for, for or for this job uh, for the big league job and KT had come on, I was I was I was really stoked because it was somebody that I had a chance to you know kind of learn from a little bit uh, mm-hmm. when I was interning and and it's, that was that was a pretty large gap between the time that I met Kyle to the time that I was actually able to interview for for this major league position and uh, getting to see kind of how he had grown 
along the way as well. Working with Kyle is awesome. Um, I, I can't say that I, I've worked for for a better, I, I'll just say a boss, but you know, we, we, we work very much all three of us, Kevin, Kevin Orlowski, Kyle Torgerson and myself as peers. Uh, obviously Kyle has, has the role that he has and he has the responsibilities and duties that he has. And so my, my role is to try to facilitate and make his life as easy as possible. But, uh, working with him is, is fantastic. Just a guy that completely trusts your judgment, uh, trust your skill set. And, uh, I've never been micromanaged one time. I just feel mm-hmm. very free to do what, uh, what I enjoy doing. I feel very free to create the relationships to, uh, with the players and with the staff, uh, that, that I've been able to build over the last couple of years. And, uh, he's been able to see me kind of grow and have, he has a ton of patience. Um, the guy mm-hmm. is as consistent as it gets day in and day out. And to have somebody that you work under, uh, just be consistent and have trust and what you know and what you can do. Uh, I think it changes everything just cause there's no worry. Uh, I know that I can utilize whatever, whatever technique or, uh, do any sort of skill work with a player and, and not worry that I'm getting, you know, second guessed or overlooked or anything mm-hmm. like that. And whatever I, I bring to him on any player specifically, uh, he's, he's on board with, uh, he also asks a lot of great questions just to try to, help me build my own knowledge base and kind of prepare me for maybe a larger role going down the road. Um, he's always kind of looking towards the development and, uh, it reminds me of my, of my time with the diamondbacks. Uh, the questions aren't just empty questions. They're pointed questions and they're questions geared towards helping me think and connect the dots to kind of a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question. Kyle is one of the best out there and, and uh, awesome to see you guys teaming up with the Mariners. Uh, I want to talk a bit more about the season today. Um, you guys have a, a super young ball club, so much talent, you know, the talk of the league last year and this year and, and just really cool things going on in Seattle. Uh, I assume it's pretty cool to be involved in a tight playoff race. Um, but as an athletic trainer, do you guys feel added pressure um, in the training room, in the clubhouse when you're in the midst of a tight race for, for a wild card spot as you guys are now? Um, I think there's always a little bit of pressure when you're winning and, and there's big expectations, uh, obviously keeping everybody on the field and especially in September, uh, at this point in time, when we're, when we're trying to clinch a spot in the playoffs and hopefully a division title, uh, we, we got to keep everybody on the field. Uh, but I think we, we hold ourselves to a pretty high standard throughout the season, regardless of, uh, winning or losing or, uh, what the situation might demand, uh, or what the external, uh, influences maybe our standard is that we want to keep all of our players on the field all season long and try to manage their their workloads from day to day to to keep them available and at at their best uh more than anything it's one thing to be out there for for 162 but it's also one thing to be out there at at the closest level that you can be to to 100 percent uh throughout the year so our standard's pretty high and i don't think the, uh, the playoff chase or anything like that necessarily puts pressure on us because we kind of put a pressure on ourselves in, in regards mm-hmm. to keeping guys healthy and, and uh, keeping them on the field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, within the tight playoff race, uh, you still, you know, show up every day and do your job and, and kind of grind it out. I want to get into a bit more about your day-to-day role with the Mariners. Um, as the assistant athletic trainer for the club, can you walk us through kind of what a quote-unquote normal day looks like for you during the season? Um, so a normal day there, there's the home 
day and then there's the road day. Obviously at home, it's a little bit easier because we don't have as much unpacking to do. We don't have to set up a training room every time we go to a new ballpark. Um, so that's a little bit easier. You can kind of just show up, get ready to go. We have our, we have our daily check-in meetings every day, uh, in which we discuss player status, kind of what they're dealing with, uh, any sort of availability concerns and stuff like that. And, uh, then we just start to kind of lay out the plan, uh, amongst ourselves for what guys are doing. Uh, we do a lot of work with our strength and conditioning staff with Matt Rush, Rutledge and Derek Cantini and trying to coordinate, okay, who's doing what in the weight room? Who's doing what in the training room that day? Uh, is this guy scheduled to lift or not? Um, or is it a day that we maybe need to focus more on recovery specifically? Um, uh, so there's a lot of coordinating in terms of each player's day. Uh, and what their expectation is, uh, whether they're running hot, whether, whether they need a little bit more work, if they haven't been playing as much. So trying to put uh, game plans in place for every guy on the roster so that way everything's ready to go by the time they walk in the clubhouse. And from that point, it's uh, kind of just get ready for whoever walks in the door. Uh, typically, mm-hmm. we always have a plan for, for what the guys are dealing with and having a plan uh, so that as soon as they walk in the door, we can get going on treatments and get them ready to go for their for their daily prep work. Uh, every now and then you get a curveball and somebody comes in with a, with a cranky neck or, or, you know, a, a tight back from sleeping in a new bed in a hotel or something like that. So you kind of adjust on the fly and prioritize, but, uh, just, yeah, just once the meeting's over and we kind of run through everybody's plans, uh, it's just all hands on deck for, for all the guys that walk in the door and get them ready to go and go out and do their thing. So from that point, uh, we'll go out, watch them throw, watch them uh, take ground balls, do defensive work, watch them take BP, uh, keep tabs on guys that we're kind of monitoring and seeing if there's anything that stands out, checking in with them once they're done doing their, their uh, pregame activity to see if there's any extra treatment, uh, recovery, uh, or anything else that we need to adjust or if we need to make any game time decisions on a specific player. And then uh, it's, round two of any, rec- any treatments that need to happen before the game, if necessary. And, and the other stuff uh, just kind of rolls into place in terms of getting them ready to go for the game. And then we're just hanging out. Uh, I, one of the biggest perks of, of this job is, especially if you like baseball, is that you get a front row seat to, to the show every single night and uh, you get to watch the best players in the world go do their thing. So hopefully you don't have to do too much moving and shaking in the dugout and getting up uh, off your spot or, uh, off your spot on the top rail. Ideally, I can watch an entire game and I have to worry too much about anybody, but uh, mm-hmm. sometimes that doesn't happen. So, you know, obviously if something goes down, we got to go out on the field and just coordinating with, uh, with Scott when we want to go out, what we're looking at, giving him information as to what the player's dealing with and, and making decisions uh, throughout the game based off of uh, the player availability and, and kind of if we need to make a change or not, if somebody does go down. And then after that, it's uh, kind of, reevaluate, see who needs stuff post game. Uh, we have pretty good routines with guys. So they, they know before the game, if as long as everything goes to plan, if, if we're going to do a specific treatment or if they just need to go home, or if we want to send them home with, uh, with some recovery stuff to do at the hotel so they can get some more sleep, et cetera. So just, uh, kind of taking stock of everything that goes on during the game. If anything pops up, treating that and then, uh, kind of coordinating the plan for the next day. And then it's a little bit of rinse and repeat. And that's the, uh, the beauty of 162 is you do get an opportunity <laughs> to kind of do it all over again the next day. And uh, you just make little adjustments from day to day. Yeah, definitely a grind. Uh, 162 uh, games is, is obviously 
the most in major professional sports. So it can take a toll on the athlete and the athletic trainer. Um, but, but you definitely seem to enjoy what you're doing and the game of baseball. Uh, like you said, you have a front row seat to every, every game, which is awesome. Um, but clearly from what you talked about, there's so much that goes into each and every day as an athletic trainer from start to finish. Uh, but I want to ask you about some of your favorite aspects of the job, or maybe your, your most favorite, um, a few of our previous guests have mentioned that getting someone back on the field healthy after an injury is just an amazing feeling for an athletic trainer. Um, mm-hmm. What's your favorite part of, of the the role that you have with the club? Um, I can, I can definitely say uh, that that one holds true. I think for anybody ac- across this profession, um, that's why we're here. We're here to see players play and players go succeed and, and be healthy. Right. Uh, obviously not everybody's healthy, which is why we have a job. But, uh, I think probably my favorite thing, and it's been, I've been fortunate to witness it a couple times because coming up through the minor league, we had a pretty core group of, of prospects and throughout the, you know, along their stops in the minor leagues, I was able to work with a good chunk of our current core in the major league group. And, uh, fortunately I was able to come up to the big leagues right around the time that they were all matriculating up to, to be ready to debut at the big league level. And so getting to see some of those guys that I had spent a couple of years with in the minor leagues, um, come up and make their debut and, and have an impact on the major league club is pretty special. Uh, I love, I love debuts. It, it's a cool thing to, to see somebody realize their dream and see it come true, uh, and get to go watch them go out and, and compete at the level that they've always dreamed of doing. Um, and then to, to have a relationship with, with somebody in that situation and, and watch them succeed is, is, is the top of my list. Uh, those relationships that we've put together over the course of multiple years in the minor leagues and, and watching them do their thing at the big league level in, in front of all the, all the cameras and under the bright lights is pretty special. And spending time with players and your staff is, like you mentioned, it's what you guys do. There's so many days that you're you're at the stadium together or on the road. And, and I want to touch a bit about the travel aspect of your job. So you guys do a great job of, of taking care of players on the road, making sure they're hydrated, their nutrition is okay, they're getting enough sleep. Um, but, but on the other end of that is you guys, is your athletic training staff. So how do you find time for yourself when you travel so much on the road? And how do you keep yourself fresh uh, kind of to attack every day with, with the mindset you need when you're traveling so much? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And it's a big one in terms of the work-life balance. And, uh, I think my wife probably helps me as much as anybody in that regard. We talk a lot when we're on the road. Um, she kind of helps me unplug, uh, cause prior to meeting her, you know, I was, I was a training room rat. I would be there mm-hmm. early and be the last one out the door. Uh, not necessarily a pat on the back, but it's just where I felt comfortable. I just mm-hmm. like being at the, in the clubhouse. I like being, uh, at the ballpark and, Noticing at, at times that it was hard for me to turn it off when you don't uh, have that person to, to to be with on a day to day basis uh, and to you know invest in in their lives as well. It's easy just to get focused on your own thing. So having my wife uh, has been an incredible uh, blessing in my in my life, uh, and it really helps me just kind of shut it off because I know when I go home or you know when we're on the road and we're facetiming that uh, I, I got to shut it off uh, from time to time and, and just really be present there. Uh, as well as, uh, just trying to, trying to relax, trying to find ways to relax. Uh, I do, I try to golf a lot on the road if, if at all possible. And we have a pretty big golfing staff, so we'll get some, some tea times put together and go out and golf and just kind of recharge in that regard, just get together and hang out. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of a foodie, so I, I like to find nice restaurant or, you know, 
cool restaurants and local spots uh, to check out and and have a spot everywhere we go. So if somebody's somebody's looking for a recommendation or or trying to go out and, and find some good food, I have a spot for them. Uh, that's one of my that's one of my little passions that I like to to try to find something on the road, uh, as well as uh, just you know I'm I'm a man of faith and and I really just try to every day before we go to the ballpark that's that's part of my routine is just is just getting in the word and and making sure that my own personal uh, faith journey is, is taken care of. Uh, I think that really puts me in a good position and a good headspace for uh, working with everybody uh, from staff to players uh, from day to day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great to hear that you guys still find time to to take care of yourself. I know you're you're caregivers and you you take care of everybody, but it's important, obviously, for your own mental health to uh, to get some time for yourself when when you're traveling in and away from your family so much. Uh, but part of uh, part of being an athletic trainer is you have that family built in. You know yourself and Kyle and the staff in Seattle. So uh, I want to give you a couple of minutes to kind of recognize some of the other people we may not have talked about who who make up the Mariners athletic training staff and department and and kind of help you make your job easier every day yeah uh, i gotta give a big shout out to our director of high performance rob scheidegger uh he's been awesome uh since he came on in 21 the guy just gets after it and he he's as a director he's somebody that really wants to try to help us out as much as possible and take take work off of our plate um which kind of frees us up to do our primary role of working with the player so that's been a huge help uh kt's an, an incredible boss and has really helped me grow uh, and, and trust my own skill set. Uh, working with Kevin Orlovsky, he might be the smartest guy I know uh, in terms of of what we do on a day to day basis. Like the the guy just never stops learning and never stops growing. And it's definitely uh, rubbed off on me. Uh, I kind of just a lot of times when we get into the uh, into the uh, continuing education portion of the off season where we're able to go take courses and get you know and get some knowledge in different areas. I, I find myself a lot of times looking like, what has Kevin taken? Uh, because his skill set is about as re- well-rounded as anybody that I know. And to be able to uh, draw off of that and see how much success he has with players and, and the, the treatments that he's able to, to coordinate uh, really just pushes me towards wanting to build out my own skill set. Uh, want to thank John Walker as well. He is our uh, major league physical uh, therapist and director or coordinator of uh, return to play. Uh, he was our medical director in the past when I was in the minor leagues, and uh, he was somebody that definitely uh, gave me a lot of good knowledge and a lot of good uh, instruction along the way in terms of uh, building relationships and working with players and also putting up with me figuring out how to become an athletic trainer uh, in professional sports. Uh, there were some bumps and bruises along the way uh, that that I probably put him through, but he always stuck with me, and he was always super patient and, and always there to lend a hand. And I really want to give a big shout out. Uh, I, I spoke about Jimmy Southern earlier, uh, in, in the, in the podcast, but, uh, Jimmy's been one of my biggest mentors throughout my entire career. Uh, he was the assistant, uh, he's currently the assistant, uh, medical coordinator with the Dodgers, but he was the, uh, medical coordinator with the, with the Mariners. And he's the one that got me my start. Uh, I met him with the D backs and, going from undergrad and going to grad school every step of the way, Jimmy's had really good advice for me. And I pretty much followed the exact same uh, career path in terms of education and that he was an NAU alum as well as a New Mexico state alum. And when I was looking for a place to go to grad school, uh, he, he, 
he told me, go to New Mexico State, uh, go take that job. You're going to learn a lot. It's going to help you a lot for your transition into pro ball. Um, so every step of the way, Jimmy's helped me out with really good advice and, and a lot of knowledge. Yeah, it's awesome to hear about the people who make up uh, your super talented staff in Seattle. You guys all do an awesome job. Uh, so kudos to everybody there. Uh, well, Taylor, to wrap up today's episode, we're going to finish with a quick Q&A segment that we call Extra Bases. <laughs> uh, so I'm super excited to ask you some of these questions. Uh, we'll have four quick questions for you. Um, let you share some insight into your life, your favorite things about athletic training and baseball. So sure. we'll kick it off at first base. Um, outside of Seattle, uh, we don't let you say your home training room for this one. Uh, what's your favorite <laughs> athletic training room to work in in the big leagues? Uh, my favorite athletic training room is probably here in Texas, uh, new ballpark. You know, they've done an incredible job with their facilities and say anything better about the facilities here at the Rangers ballpark. They do a great job. I also got to give a shout out to, uh, to Tampa as well. Tampa's got a great, uh, a great athletic training room. It's really well planned out and everything is, uh, is really well organized and there's plenty of space and it's just a good, a good place to work from. Uh, we have plenty of room to do our jobs and, and also store all of our stuff that we bring on the road. Um, so that helps us out a ton. Yeah, very interesting. We've we've had, uh, you know, 30 plus episodes asking athletic trainers their favorite training rooms. And uh, the trop might not be the most desirable ballpark to play in, but people love the training room there. So so a big yep. shout out to Joe Benj and the staff down there. Uh, mm-hmm. Moving on to second base. Um, you mentioned earlier, if you're a baseball fan, literally no better job than being an athletic trainer. Uh, you're, you're on the top step every night. Um, outside of Seattle, you guys have such a great park. Uh, what's your favorite MLB stadium to watch a game from the dugout? Um, I have a real strong affinity for the, for the clubs on the, on the East coast, just because I grew up on the West coast. Um, and you know, going from ballparks on the West coast, which are typically a little bit newer to the very storied ballparks in, in baseball history over on the East coast, uh, Fenway is probably my favorite because it's Fenway. Um, the dugout is pretty small. Um, so I always have to find myself like I end up in really weird contorted positions just to be able to watch the game because it's a <laughs> tiny dugout and there's a lot of guys down there. So I'm like watching, watching a game between somebody's legs or like, like leaning around a rail or something like that. But it's still Fenway. Uh, the, the ballpark is incredible. The fans, the atmosphere, uh, it's wild there and it's, it's tough to beat. Uh, Yankee stadium is pretty awesome. I mean, they got it. They got it taken care of in terms of dugouts um, from the amenity side of things. It's, you know, they're the Yankees and mm-hmm. uh, where else would I say? I, I really do love Baltimore. Uh, that's, that's a place, you know, growing up as a baseball fan and, you know, playing, playing MLB, the show and stuff like <laughs> that, you get to select the ballpark you play. And I, I would always find myself picking, you know, picking Baltimore, just, you know, the, the facade and, and the backdrop of everything is really cool. So I, I just, you know, I never got a chance to really be on the East Coast much as a kid. So getting to go there now and actually be in those ballparks and be in those dugouts uh, where so many greats have been uh, is pretty special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely relate to, to anyone kind of near our age. Uh Playing the video games growing up, hitting the ball off the wall in, in Baltimore Camden Yards is, is something every kid won't forget. Um, oh, yeah. but we have we have some very similar interests in, in golf and food, so I'm super excited to hear your answer to this question. Uh, uh, going to third base, um, what's your favorite city to visit on the road, whether that's to, to eat some good food, play uh, a bucket list golf course, or anything else that you like to do on the road? 
Let's see. I got to go on a pretty special golf uh, extravaganza in New York last year. Shout out to Adam Frazier for including mm-hmm. me in the group. Uh, we had an off day when we were playing the Mets last year. So we got to go across the river over to New Jersey and, and play a pretty cool course and have a, as I like to say, a show experience on the <laughs> golf course there. Uh, the full the full boat, everything was taken care of, and the the guys over at at the course there just really really took care of us. It was a pretty special experience. So golf is great. I love coming here in Texas because we stay at Las Colinas Resort right on the golf course. Um, so there's unlimited range time, and and every time we come here, uh, we we definitely get at least one round in. So that's one mm-hmm. of my favorite places to go on the road, just because the golf course is right there. All you have to do is wake up, take your clubs down to the range, and uh, and go swing it. So that's special. Um, in terms of cities to go to and things that, you know, go in and checking out a city, uh, Boston's probably my favorite. I really enjoy the history. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of a history buff. If the TV's on, it's either a documentary or, or some sort of like history channel or discovery channel. And uh, just all the history around Boston and, and, and all the architecture and, and the city itself is, is pretty special. So I really like going to Boston. Yeah, definitely can't beat uh, being in Boston. Like you said, all the history there, um, just where everything started. So a uh, great place to visit, especially in the summer. Uh, moving on to home plate. Um, this is uh, one of my favorite questions to hear, hear answers from athletic trainers and your colleagues. Um, you guys do so much work to get to the big leagues. It's the ultimate goal for everybody. Uh, when you finally made it, um, did you have a welcome to the big leagues moment at some point, point during your first year uh, with the Mariners? I have uh, I have three in my first year that stand out really really strongly. The first one's a pretty funny story. Uh, so literally my first week uh, as a member of the big league staff, we're down in Peoria for spring training, and uh, Kyle Seeger walks in the door and he goes, "Hey, can you tape my ankle?" I was like, "Sure." Like, you got anything going on? He's like, "No, uh, you know, I just want to get my ankle taped. I like having my ankle taped for the for the game." I'm like, "Okay, sounds good." So I tape his ankle. I thought I did a pretty good job. He comes in about 20 minutes later and cuts it off. I was like, Oh, Hey man, like, is everything good? Is it, you know, is it too tight? Or, you know, are you getting a blister? And he's like, Oh no, I don't, I, I don't actually want to get my ankle tape. I just want to make sure you can do your job. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So he's like, yeah, this thing felt great. You're good. And, uh, I had a great year, like getting to, getting to know Kyle was really special. So, uh, getting to, getting to know a guy that's been in the big leagues and had that much success for that long, uh, was pretty cool to learn from him there. And, uh, number two, we, uh, I don't know how this all came about. I think it was mainly Seager. Um, but normally, you know, when players debut or players get their first strikeout or their first hit in the big league, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll give a guy a beer shower after the game and stuff like that. But he felt the need to uh, include the entire training staff because we were all rookies just about, uh, <laughs> at that point in time with the Mariners, at least, uh, Kevin and myself were definitely rookies in the big leagues. And KT was a, was a, a rookie as a head trainer the year before, but because of all the COVID stuff, we couldn't really do all the celebrations. So after one of our games early in the year, they decided to uh, get all of the, all of the training staff and, uh, give us a beer shower. So that was pretty <laughs> funny. I never, I never saw that one coming. And, uh, <laughs> lastly, we also, we also got included in rookie dress up day at the end of the season. So thankfully they were nice enough to put us in scrubs. That was our rookie dress up outfit. And we got to perform in the, uh, the team talent show and, uh, it went, I think pretty well. So yeah, those three really stand out uh, from my first year in the big league. 
Yeah, it's always great to hear those stories. And and it's really cool, you know, from someone on the outside to hear how close the athletic training staff becomes with the players. And obviously, you're one big family there and you take care of each other. So really cool to hear those. Uh, well, Taylor, thanks so much for joining the show today. Really, really appreciate your time. I know you guys are busy. You're down in Texas for a huge series with the Rangers. Um, so we appreciate you and, and all your knowledge you shared throughout the show today. Uh, and we wish you and, and Kyle and the staff there nothing but the re- best the rest of the way. Well, Sam, thanks for having me on. This has been really fun, and uh, I appreciate your time as well. Thanks for having me on, and uh, look forward to checking it out. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Inside Athletic Training. We hope you've gained valuable insights, inspiration, and knowledge to fuel your athletic training journey. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And also, stay connected with us on pbats.com for more news, about athletic training and sports medicine.